1: declares martial law in Ukraine-captured regions.
2: People are concerned about is it also authorizes these military authorities to set up uh, territorial defense units. D.C. passes a bill allowing
3: non-citizens to vote in local elections. It's common sense that United States citizens should vote in United States elections.
1: President Biden says releasing more oil from the strategic reserves isn't political at all.
4: Being understood for exactly what it is, a band-aid approach.
1: This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, October 20th. I'm Mike Scott. On Wednesday, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced martial law in the illegally annexed regions of Ukraine. In one of those regions, Russian troops were evacuating civilians, seemingly signaling that it may not be able to hold the area much longer. According to military experts, the move may give local officials more power over the occupied citizenry, but the impact on the battlefield will be slim, if any. Evan Lambert of News Nation reports on the impact of the
3: declaration of martial law. Tens of thousands of civilians are on the move out of the illegally annexed portion of the Ukrainian region of Kherson. Citizens using boats to flee the southern city. Also today, President Vladimir Putin declaring martial law in the four cities, Kherson, Donetsk, Luhansk, and Zaporizhia.
2: Now we need to formalize this regime within the framework of Russian legislation. Therefore, I have signed a decree introducing martial law into the These four entities of the Russian Federation.
3: That may allow for travel restrictions, tighter censorship, and more authority by law enforcement. President Biden calling it an intimidation tactic. It seems
0: his only tool available to him is to brutalize individual citizens in Ukraine, Ukrainian citizens, to try to intimidate them into capitulating. They're not going to do that.
3: The announcement follows several days of deadly attacks in Ukrainian cities, including the capital, Kiev, stalked by Iranian-made drones. Ian Kelly is a former ambassador to the
1: former Russian state of Georgia, says the martial law declaration may allow them to force Ukrainians to fight for Russia.
2: Well, I don't think it really will have um, much impact on the ground because basically it legalizes what they're already doing in terms of Giving the uh, authorities military authorities to detain uh, detain people to uh, to restrict their movement to do uh, searches without any kind of warrants, uh, I think what uh, what people are concerned about is it also authorizes these military authorities to set up uh, territorial defense units and there's a concern that they will be uh, sending out their press gangs to force Ukrainians into the Russian army.
1: Kelly says that what Vladimir Putin is doing in Ukraine actually showcases his weaknesses.
2: First of all, it's Putin responding to uh, to the uh, criticisms of the war hawks, uh, especially on, on uh, Russian media. Uh, by the way, there are no doves on, on Russian media. It is just people who support the war or who are calling for an escalation in the war. So uh, this is what he's doing. He is... Um, Doing some people call it uh, a a shock and awe uh, campaign. Uh, it's not quite at that scale, of course, but uh, it is a response to uh, to the the criticisms that he's hearing. But I think really it shows a weakness because uh, he's unable to change the situation on the ground. He's unable to uh, to to have a counteroffensive against uh, against the Ukrainians who are taking a lot of territory in the east and a significant amount also in the south. Uh, so I I think it only helps him really with uh, with his right wing. Uh, it, it certainly, I think, sends a terrible message. The former ambassador says that while Russia may get some
1: help from Iran, it underscores now how isolated Moscow is.
2: Well, they're, they're running out of ammunition. Uh, they're running out of missiles and, and other a means to uh, to have a long range attacks, and of course they're not going to get that kind of ammunition from even from their partners from China. China's not going to give them that kind of uh, that kind of capability. So they're they're forced to go to places like North Korea and Iran. And again, it's a sign of weakness, really, and of isolation.
1: Turning to the Daybreak Insiders' continuing coverage of the developing story in Haiti, on Wednesday the U.S. and Mexico announced. They will introduce a resolution at the U.N. to deploy a non-U.N. international security assistance mission to keep the peace on the island nation that has been under the thumb of strong-arm gang activity. Earlier this month, the Haitian Prime Minister Ariel Henry reached out to the U.N. requesting an armed force to help Haiti's police confront the gangs who have taken control over major sections of the country. Weijia Jiang, the senior White House correspondent for CBS, says that the U.S. has already been helping Haiti and the Biden administration has plans to do more.
5: The U.S. sent a delegation over to Haiti earlier this month and to assess um, with leaders there on the ground what they could do. And then after that, on Sunday, we know that the U.S. transferred military equipment um, to Haiti. So that includes armored vehicles. That includes other um, equipment, security equipment and other supplies that they would need to protect um, the people there to fight against criminal actors and even to make sure that the resources Um, as a result of, uh, you know, the various um, different uh, things that they're dealing with, including cholera, are able to reach people. So they've already taken that action, and the U.S. has committed to doing even more. They did that in partnership with the Canadian military. Um, which has also pledged to continue uh, doing whatever they can to provide assistance while Haiti undergoes such a, a, a dire time. Um, and so uh, aside from that, I think there will just be more assessments um, and more determinations to see what else they can provide without getting directly involved.
1: Jean goes on to report that Mexico may join the U.S. and Canada in trying to keep the peace in Haiti.
5: MEXICO MIGHT BE JOINING TOO. Um, THEY HAVE REPORTEDLY ALREADY uh, STARTED THEIR EFFORTS TO DO SO. But, you know, in terms of a global response, we haven't seen that swell yet um, that we have in other situations. And that is one thing that the U.S. can do, which is to ask for more intervention. Um, But I think the president, the administration has made clear, even though they haven't explicitly said this in this case, that um, there won't be any American boots on the ground, as an example, because there is a line um, that they've already drawn when it comes to how much they are willing to engaged to assist uh, an ally.
1: Zhang also says that some protest groups are demanding the Biden administration remove Haiti's prime
5: minister. These are several protest groups, um, different organizations that are calling for the administration for President Biden to um, remove any kind of support for him. Um, And in fact, they were out here at the White House several times uh, protesting, but uh, they have not gone there yet. And I think... Um, you know, we shouldn't expect that because, uh, you know, again, there is a distinction between offering support and aid to the Haitian people and also um, getting directly involved with, uh, you know, the people in power, not only there, but really any nation. Um, and so I think that the administration might be weighing uh, a response, but so far have not um officially said whether they will or will not continue to support uh, the president.
1: Another resolution that the U.S. plans to introduce with Mexico would impose more sanctions on people responsible for gang violence, including human rights abuses. A security mission to Haiti has some support from lawmakers in the U.S., In Washington, D.C., the city council voted 12 to 1 to advance a bill that would allow non-citizens to vote in local elections. Democrat Charles Allen, a D.C. councilman, says that D.C. residents, regardless of status, have a right to have a say in local government.
6: This bill is in line with our D.C. values and this council's history of expanding the right to vote and welcoming new voices into our political process and government. Our immigrant neighbors of all statuses participate, contribute, and care about our community and our city. They, like all D.C. residents, deserve the right to have a say in their government.
1: The bill was sent to Mayor Muriel Bowser for her approval, and if she clears it, the bill will be transmitted to Congress under the D.C. Home Rule Act. If she vetoes the measure, that veto could be overridden, if it has support of two-thirds of the council, which it does. Patrick Mara, chairman of the D.C. GOP, joined Fox News and says that the D.C. council should focus on things like the
3: local crime rate instead. It is absolutely unbelievable. First and foremost, this is probably the most left-wing extremist D.C. council that we've ever had in the District of Columbia. Uh, as was noted, they passed this, this non-citizen voting 12 to 1. Meanwhile, crime is way up. They defunded the police. Meanwhile, they kept kids out of school for the better part of a year. And kids are, kids are suffering. Businesses were shut down for the better part of the year. These are the things they should be focusing on. But instead, they're focusing on non-citizen voting. It's common sense that United States citizens should vote in United States elections.
1: Mara says that, in his opinion, implementation of such a measure would be an absolute
3: mess. You can vote. You'll be able to vote in the capital of the United States of America. And if you look at the burden of proof here, I mean, how are they going to prove that their residents All right, already to vote in the District of Columbia? You don't even need to show a photo ID. You just show up and present your name. So how do these folks who aren't even citizens, what's their burden of proof? I mean, do they do they provide a photocopied uh, u- utility bill? I mean, this is a, this is a complete mess. Their focus, the, the far left-wing extremist DC council is focused on this when they should be focused on education, police, and small business. The move has sparked backlash from parties on both
1: sides of the political spectrum. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas is set to introduce a resolution in Congress that would block the recent move by the city of Washington, D.C. Under the D.C. Home Rule Act, members of Congress are able to block bills passed by the legislature and cleared by the mayor. Looking ahead to expected losses on Election Day, Democrats are already pointing fingers of blame ahead of the midterms. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew is delving deeper on this story this morning. The polls don't look good for Democrats as they face the very real possibility of losing their majority in the House and perhaps in the Senate. Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders blames the party for focusing on social issues like abortion rather than what he sees as economic injustice. Many are pointing to President Biden's dismal approval numbers. Former President Obama is urging woke elements in the party to soften their tone. In a weekend interview, he described the Democrats as sometimes being a buzzkill by constantly scolding people for being political politically incorrect. Bob Agner reporting. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court was asked to step in on an emergency basis to temporarily stop the Biden administration's student debt forgiveness program by a Wisconsin taxpayers group.
5: The Wisconsin group is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to block President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness program.
3: This is the Brown County Taxpayers Association that filed the request for the court to step in on an emergency basis, temporarily blocking the program from taking effect. Now, they claim it violates the separation of powers by encroaching on Congress's exclusive spending power. Now, the group did file its request to Justice Amy Coney Barrett. This after a federal judge dismissed its case and an appeals court refused that emergency request for a pause. Applications for student loan forgiveness officially opened on Monday. This is
1: just the latest of several legal challenges over the program, but this is the first to reach the Supreme Court. Dan Lenington an attorney on the case says it's really all about taxpayers
6: we think that that's just a breathtaking usurpation of congressional authority to tax and spend and that we're not going to stand idly by while he does this
1: Howard Schwerber is a law professor at the University of Wisconsin says that the lawsuit may have some teeth
7: now this gets to a basic separation of powers question with the current version of the Roberts Court. I think it's quite possible that if this goes to the Supreme Court, the challengers will win.
1: Mitch Daniels, a former Indiana governor and current president of Purdue University, says that the unfairness of the Biden administration's debt forgiveness is what bothers him the most.
7: This this dead fish isn't smelling any better the older it gets. I th- one reason this has taken so long for the administration to say something about it is they know it's fatally flawed. You know, this is ju- this is another uh, very regressive suggestion. Uh, they're going to give money to people making uh, three times the national median average in in household case, four and a half times. Seventy one percent of the money goes to the top uh, half of the income distribution. Um, this uh, there's just no way to present this that it isn't a uh, a giveaway to people who, who don't need it and who uh, you know freely took these obligations on. Of course, I believe that in e- an equal uh, unfairness as to all those millions of people who paid their debts back 99 percent of our graduates at purdue do pay them back not sure what i'm supposed to tell them when other people are let off the hook um, so i think that um, uh, among its other defects uh, the, un- the gross unfairness of this I- is the worst here we were supposed to be concerned about in- income inequality and so forth and uh, uh, this heads just the wrong direction
1: The Independent Congressional Budget Office has estimated that the Biden student loan forgiveness plan would cost taxpayers $400 billion. President Biden has announced the release of 15 million more barrels of oil from the U.S. Strategic Reserve. It's all part of a response to recent production cuts announced by OPEC Plus Nations. That has sent the strategic reserve to its lowest level since 1984 in what the administration called a bridge until domestic production could be increased. The reserve now contains roughly 400 million barrels of oil. Heritage Foundation research fellow Katie Tubb tells the Salem Radio Network this drawdown is a political ploy on the part of the president.
4: It's unfortunate because that's not the purpose of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Uh, The the reserve is not meant to uh, help a president with his polling numbers. It's being abused right now.
1: Tubbs says that the U.S. already has an abundance of oil.
4: The SPR has plenty of opportunity to be refilled if we had a uh, president and administration that was interested in using America's energy abundance. Um, President Biden, I think, has made very clear that he doesn't want to access that abundance.
1: Tubb went on to say that President Biden's approach to addressing high gasoline prices is all wrong.
4: He's preferring to draw down reserves and seek uh, imports from elsewhere rather than uh, allow industry to make the investment necessary to access that abundance.
1: And finally, Tubb went on to say that this will have no impact on the midterm elections.
4: The SPR release to me is, I think, being understood for exactly what it is, a Band-Aid approach uh, that isn't talking about root problems and solutions to those root problems.
1: Taxpayers will get a bigger standard deduction for 2023. Daybreak Insider's John Scott says while it may not help this year, it may help during a presidential season.
7: All seven federal income tax bracket levels will be revised upward as the government allows people to shield more of their money from taxation because of persistently high inflation. For couples who file jointly for tax year 2023, the standard deduction increases to 27700 That's up $1,800 from tax year 2022. Single taxpayers and married people filing separately will also see their standard deduction rise. John Scott reporting.
1: A cold case involving the killing of a World War I veteran comes to an end after a 75-year-old man pleads guilty. Daybreak Insiders, Julie Walker has more on this story.
4: The Queen's DA says Martin Mata pled guilty to manslaughter in the death of George Seitz, and it represents the first successful use of genetic genealogy by any of the city's prosecutors. Seitz went missing on his way to get a haircut in 1976. He was 81. In 2019, a tip led police to his dismembered remains buried under concrete. Two years later, advanced DNA ID'd him. Investigators determined that Seitz's barber, Mata, robbed him and cut up his body. They were able to find witnesses who were still alive. Julie Walker, New York.
1: And finally, an NFL owner may be the first one ever removed from ownership of a national team. Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay said in an interview, the league should seriously consider removing Washington's Dan Snyder from NFL ownership. Ursae's comments come as some of Snyder's missteps as an owner have come to light through the Mary Jo White investigations, which allege workplace misconduct and financial impropriety. Dan Lust is a sports attorney and says that the NFL, if they have the votes, may be able to kick Snyder out.
6: At the end of the day, right, this is a private association. Uh, it is an exclusive club. There are 32 NFL owners each of those teams is worth about, I don't know, uh, two three billion dollars at this point. The Denver Broncos just sold for four and a half billion, so I'm probably being conservative. Is it? Do they have the right to kick him out? I mean, they have association rules just like a country club would have, or any type of group, right? If 24 of 32 owners decide to vote him out of the league, that's it, right? He can go kicking and screaming. It's never happened, Leland, in professional sports. Our four major sports: hockey, football, basketball, baseball. But this really has the potential for it to happen for the first time in history.
1: Lust says that the one allegation that is the most grave is that Snyder may have been doing some off-the-books
6: accounting. I think the easiest way to explain it, right? It's it's business. The one thing that you did not mention on those laundry list of allegations, and honestly, it's embarrassing. It, it just, it's just too many to count. But there is one that's floating out there that I think is is relevant for this analysis. Um, Dan Snyder's accused is an accusation that came up during the congressional hearings uh, that the team and the, you know, the ticket group was essentially cooking the books that they were under-reporting team revenue for games and taking that ticket revenue and saying, well, actually, you know, the Navy football game was actually more heavily attended at the field or the Kenny Chesney concert. So underreporting revenue in a league that depends on revenue sharing is, in theory, stealing money from the other owners.
1: Commissioner Roger Goodell told reporters that he had little to no discussion with ownership about the Snyder issue, in large part because the investigation is not complete. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us.